Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast. Um... Today we have um, a special guest with us. Um, he is the offensive line coach at Kutztown University in uh, Pennsylvania, um, Coach Pat Taylor. Coach, how are you doing? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing good, Coach. Doing good. Uh, today we're going to talk a little pin and pull and just offensive line stuff today. Uh, but before we kind of get there, is there um, – I don't word this. It, it, how did you end up where you are at now? Let's word it that way. So – I played uh, I played college football at Lycoming College in Williamsport, PA, and graduated there in 2009. Um, went back, grew up in Philadelphia, went back to Philly for essentially two years, uh, and then got offered the running backs job in a kind of a pinch. Um, right before the season started, a job opened up, and I got a call from my old head coach, Mike Clark, and he asked if I'd be interested. So. Um, Coached the running backs at Lycoming for three seasons and then transitions into a full-time role as the offensive line coach for three seasons and then uh, interviewed and got offered the offensive line job here at Kutztown uh, in the spring of 2017 and have been here since. Okay. And Kat, what is, I mean, I, what is your more – are you are you more of a – I mean, I know we're going to talk pin and pull day, which is kind of more of a – I would define it more as a gap scheme, more into scheme. But are you more of a zone or gap offensive line coach? Because it seems like, from my experience talking to O line guys, is, is is you're in one of two camps, preferably. You you probably can coach both, but there's one you massively prefer. Yeah, um, honestly, this is maybe a cop out answer. I'll we'll run whatever our kids are good at. Okay. And uh, it's a little bit on me to figure that out. So year to year, it can it can obviously change. Um, we've played with really the same group up front for my three years at Kutztown. Okay. We've had a couple guys in and out, but, um, those guys have been predominantly pretty good zone and pin pull guys. So that's where we've been, um, okay. more athletic than, you know, strong. Okay. And then what, for, for you guys, what is pin and pull? Pin and pull is really a base run that we that we have. I, I won't define it necessarily as a gap scheme or even a um, zone scheme. It's certainly not zone. It's kind of a man scheme for us, you know, where you have, you know, a tight end and, a, and an offensive lineman blocking, you know, down, and then you have a, a couple pullers who are going to designated people. Um, it, it allows us to, to show our athleticism, you know, and it's something that our guys believe in. And it's kind of taken on a life of its own for us, honestly. Okay. Okay, and like, so, so let's start. Let's talk rules for a second. What, what, what? Because what, I talked to another coach a couple weeks ago, and his big thing was getting. I mean, just how the rules worked out. 
their center got out a lot on the pull. Uh, for you guys, what does that front side and back side of the pin and pull scheme look like? So backside, I'll start backside. Backside guard and tackle are predominantly zone blocking the backside. Yeah. Um, it can be dictated based on the alignment of, of the linebacker, how you do it, whether it's a, a true zone scheme where you're, you're scooping the backside, um, or it could be more of a base on the, on the guard and, and the tackles up to the linebacker if he has levers right now. Um, I let those guys call that the line of scrimmage. You know, I trust them to make the, the best decision they feel. Um, on the front side, it's really the tight end is going to have the defensive end and against four down. Um, and then between the tackle and guard, the the way I teach it is where will the guy be post snap? All right, is he a post snap B gap player or is he a post snap A gap player? So a lot of teams is, is what we've started to see is you know teams might want to blitz us or they might want to just slant you know and kind of bait us into who's pulling. Well, if we play some teams and we can figure that out, then there'll be a time where there's a three technique and a card stays on because he knows he's slanting a gap. Um, or there'll be times when the, a tackle blocks down on the two wide because he knows he's going to the B gap. And um, whoever's not blocking down is the first puller. And uh, the backside uh, or the second puller will be the, the center about 98% of the time, I would say. Okay. Um, for now, I, you mentioned tight end there. Did you um, what person? What personnel do you guys preferably run it out? Obviously, you want to tight end there ideally to kind of make things work. But from a personnel standpoint, what do you guys typically look at when you're running your pin and pull? It's. I mean, for us, it's just a. a it's either eleven or twelve personnel, um, and it can be tight end wing. It can be true double tight. It can be any variation of an 11 personnel, whether it's a 12 by 3 set or it's a 3 by 1 set to the field or 2 by 2 with the tight end into the boundary. Um, the biggest thing, we're going to run it every week. The biggest thing for us is just which formations give us what we believe are the best angles to execute. Um, so we won't necessarily... I won't tell you like every time we go to run it in 12 personnel, we'll run it to the field or to the boundary or to a seven or a nine technique. It's just kind of how do our guys feel comfortable running it everywhere. And it's just, what do we feel like is the best advantage for our guys against the defense that given week? Okay. And then, I mean, how much, I, and I don't know y'all's level as well as probably should, but how, how much variety do you guys get in defensive schemes and looks to your offense? So most of the defenses that we see are based four down. Um, we, from that, we, I felt like we saw just about every variation of how you can play four down, whether it's a, an over or under front, whether it's a pushed mic front, whether it's a, you know, one of the fronts where you got um, safeties fitting in into the box. Um, so it's a lot of four down stuff. We do see some three down, you know, depending on who we're playing. Um, but it's predominantly four, which which is where you just kind of start with. Okay. And then, how? I mean, my – I'm going to go back to your double tight stuff. Or When you do run us out of double tights, what does that do for the backside tight end in terms of rule-wise? He's zoning it as well. So okay. 
he's responsible for whoever is the backside CEF player in the defense. All right. And then um, do you do any uh, – because I, my buddy asked me this question the other day when he was asking about some pin and pull stuff is how much do you, do you – from a pass pro's perspective, do you incorporate the pin and pull with it? Because I know some people will show pin and pull, but it would be more of a pass pro look than it is a um, run scheme for them. They kind of combine in their play action game. I'll phrase it that way. Uh we got to it later in the year. I think when we were in the playoffs, we have a um, we had a couple shots of it where it was was, it was open. Um, we plan on doing more um, in this next the next time we can play um, games. Um, but we we don't RPO it a ton because our guy wasn't great at it. Yeah. Um, I have seen people who do they'll RPO by reading the backside safety or the, the backside linebacker. Um, we didn't live in that world, uh, but we do we have done it in the past. Okay, and then um, is there any like specific coaching points for you or drills that you have to do to, for, to run this scheme? Is there anything that you very harp on? Harp on? Yeah. So for me, the the biggest thing I we have to get the backside block. Okay. If, if you get the backside block, you probably have a pretty good play. Um, the the front side blocks regardless if it's the down block or it's the pullers don't need to be kill shots you know like everyone wants to if you're blocking down on a three all you really do is all you really have to do is get play you know and you can't get you can't allow immediate penetration up the field and you can't get beat back across your face so again understanding your opponent and what how they're going to play it is where we start at for that week you know some teams are just going to play laterally down the line of scrimmage some teams are going to try to penetrate when they see polar. So um, we try to have an understanding of what we're going to see that week and then marrying up the technique with that. Um, for the pullers, it's eyeballing where you're going. And it's not always clean, but the biggest things we always really look for is, you know, guys just running through blocks when they get to the second and third level. And I don't care if they whiff. Because if they whiff on the block, they probably at least created a seam. And it's up to the running back to make them look right. So we found we get into more trouble when guys are getting there, pitter-pattering their feet, looking for perfect blocks, as opposed to just, hey, run full speed, run right throw them, and if you miss, you miss. But that guy's probably moving left or right, which is you know creating a crease for the running back. Okay. And then, like, what, what, I mean, you mentioned some uh, mo, not motion, movement and blitzing. What is the most common way people like to attack this scheme against you guys? Um, I think everyone has it a little bit differently. I mean, certainly if you can get a defensive end just to win on the tight end, um, you probably like your chances if you're a defensive coach. Um, teams will try to blitz it. I don't really have a problem. If you want to blitz it, then fine. Um, the, one of the coaching points that we have is that we want to get really good at this during preseason and during spring ball. And then that week of the games, we can kind of practice on whatever teams are going to try to do, you know, whether it's overloads, whether it's middle crosses, whatever it is. And then at that point, we normally feel more comfortable with us blocking it than we feel that the defense can fit it correctly. Um, some teams will, will live on movement. You know, they'll want to do some slants and stuff like that. And, again, it's the same thing. Like, our defense uh, at Kutztown 
those guys blitz when they come out of the locker room, whether it's for practice or for a game. So we've kind of seen it all. And, you know, there'll be some plays that work for the defense and some that work for us. But if you're blitzing, you're, you're going to give up a big play at some point, we feel like. So, um, again, we have ways to dress it up and things like that. But that's probably the best answer. Um, if you just have really fast people on defense, that's probably the thing we hate to see the most. <laughs> I get that, Coach. Uh, what I want to kind of move to some of the line play before we swing back to pinpoint the end. What does a typical practice throughout the week look like for you and how you structure it to develop your offensive line? So we will once we'll start our indie period. We have about 25 minutes for indie. The first 10 minutes will be stations that are normally run by uh, the older guys. Um, I break guys up into four groups, and on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, um, each station will be between minute and a half and two minutes. And it will be stuff that I think is, is necessary to do each and every week. Like we'll work on down blocks against movement. We'll work on scooping the backside. We'll work on pulls. We'll work on just drive blocks. We'll hit the sled. We'll do all these different things. Um, we'll figure out what four we want to do Monday, what four we want to do Tuesday, what four we want to do on Wednesday. But the older guys run the group. That's a high tempo period. And uh, we get all of our, a lot of our work in right there. Everyone will get three to four reps when they're moving correctly. And it allows us not to spend 20 minutes in groups of, you know, 15 or 16 guys. From there, we normally start to work on things that will give us issues. You know, if we're running pin pull and they want to come with double A gap pressure. Hey, what are our calls? What are we going to do to adjust? Who do we want the center to reach? Do we want to guard the block down? And letting guys talk uh, and let them kind of own it. You know, when they believe what they're doing is right, they'll probably do it better. So we'll go through some of the tougher looks that we think we might see in our indie period. Um, and then we'll probably do, if we have time at that point, we'll do some different stuff with, some pass pro drills similar to the run game stuff where we'll work on all the basics and then just go through tough blocks. That's pretty much our, our practice. It's mastering the fundamentals, what's going to give us issues this week, and trying to focus on those things to uh, make sure guys stay focused on those tasks at hand. Now, if, if you're cut short on time, like what are the three drills you have to do every day? Um run the cut, you know, making sure guys are on the backside of, of our zone concepts, uh, on our outside zone concepts, I should say, whether that's pin pull or just uh, outside zone, making sure we're taking good footwork. Um, I think that's a lot of what we run. And if we're good at that, we probably have a shot to be pretty good. Um, pass sets, which is understanding the rusher you're going against that week and um, understanding, can you underset them? Do you overset them? What's he want to do to you? Just making sure you're putting yourself in the best position possible. Uh, and then we do a finish drill where it's just a refit and finish that we do every day, um, which I think just stresses playing through the whistle and, you know, never stopping your feet and playing with great effort. So those would probably be the three things for our offense that we, we would have to get to. Um, and again, the rest would be look specific stuff. Okay. And, I mean, obviously you have a good idea because you kind of play, for the most part, the same guys every year. Um, how much do you show different looks in practice throughout the week at your level, given the fact that 
I mean, you probably have a good idea how somebody's going to line up to you based off film against you prior and other teams that probably have similar formations to you. Kind of a little, a little it's a little, in my opinion, probably a little easier than high school. How, how, yeah. much, how much variety of looks just in case do you show throughout the week? We will, it might not be a variety of looks, but it'll certainly be a variety of answers from the defense. So if we're playing a team that just wants to play 42 over to a tight end and they haven't shown a ton of blitzing or movement, we'll probably only practice blitzing and movement that week. And it'll look bad. Like Tuesday's practice might not be the best thing. Wednesday's practice may not be the best thing. Um, It's really one of those things where I want to practice the hard thing because I think we can do the – if they just want to line up and play 42 defense and we want to call pin pull, then let's rock. We'll see how this goes well for us. Um, So I normally just try to anticipate what I think about the group based on what they've done to us in the past and what they have um, shown on film. And even if it's not there, then we'll create it, right? We want to make practice as hard as possible. But we also want to make – like, guys have to think to play offensive line, which – but they have to understand what their keys are and what they're looking for and, and really not just being confused at the line of scrimmage to anything that they say. Okay. And, I mean, I don't want to word this. Like – how, how much – because I'm always curious on how offensive line coaches do this in offseason. How much – what do you kind of look at and study in the offseason? Where do you go – actually, just really by curiosity with every coach. Who do you study? Who do you talk to? What do you – I mean, obviously, in, in a perfect world, all the offensive line coaches go to Cincinnati every year and have a right. good time. But this isn't a perfect world anymore. So where, where who do you talk to? Who do you bug? I know you got on some uh, – Coach G's um, – O-line stuff throughout the this past offseason, but who, who are your primary people you reach out to and bug, and then what are you always looking at in terms of development? Is it drills? Is it technique? Is it scheme? It's um, the, the people who I talk to the most, the two of them, I guess, would be um, Andy Marino, who's the offensive line coach at Elon. Uh, was a teammate of mine, um, one of my best friends. He's, um, he's a great resource, and, and we more or less do things completely differently. Um, <laughs> so it's good. It's good. He's a good guy to bounce things off of and, and kind of get his, his thoughts on things. And then Mike Clark, Mike Clark at Lycoming was a offensive line coach um, for many years and, and a guy who I'm, I'm still friends with and I'll bounce things off of him. Uh, those two guys are probably my two biggest references going back to my college days. Um, anyone who wants to talk, um, I'm always there to listen, you know, I won't always take everything I hear, you know, but I do want to hear differing opinions about why people do things differently. So if I can find videos of, like, we didn't run a ton of gap scheme stuff. So I want to learn more about gap scheme stuff so I can figure out if we have guys who can run what to do. Um, in a perfect world, you know, I, I try to figure out, the, like, postseason, um, you know, like, out of season, I guess out of season is probably the better term film study, I try to find defenses, whether it's in the NFL or in college where the film's available, that run the same schemes that we see. And then what do those guys do that work? So, you know, if we're playing a a defense that wants to play a 5-1 box with, um, you know, a bunch of bracket coverages, okay, well, does anyone in major college football play that? And then if you find out who, then, you know, find the game where they got – 
scored on and see what people were doing, you know, or a team that wants to play a bunch of, you know, blitzing and play man or what run schemes work against them. Who, you know, did anyone light them up? You know, things like that. Um, and you might not get anything out of it. it might be a giant this time. Um, but, you know, you can always just find stuff to watch and, and figure out what translates to what, you, what we do. Um, when it comes to player development in the off season, I'm a big picture guy. And the majority of the time I spend with our guys right now is explaining all of our run concepts and pass protections in the big picture. I don't, like right now, I, I, I tell those guys, I don't need to know like what the, the combinations are called. Like, I need you to be able to explain what all five guys are doing. And even if that means the center and guard are at the line of scrimmage and they can say, hey, we're going off the 22, it doesn't matter if it's a deuce, if it's a single, if it's an A. Like, they know where they're going and they know their technique should be. Um, the other thing I, we spend a ton of time on is just going through the defenses that we see. And you'll hear me explain a lot of what I see um, based on what gap defensive players are responsible for. So rather than saying, oh, the defensive tackle, I'll, I might say the A-gap tackle or the B-gap tackle, or, hey, who's the D-gap player over here to the side? Like, your combination is going to a D-gap player because defenses are evolving, right? We got to the playoffs, and you see it more and more where you used to have to go combinations to people, right? Like, hey, we're going to combo to that frontside linebacker. Well, all of a sudden, the frontside linebacker is out of the box, and the B-gap players are safe sitting there at 10 yards. Well, you better account for him if he's going to be in the run fit. So explaining to our guys how really they they need to start seeing the game of football from a big picture standpoint, both offensively and defensively, and then being able to put our, our, our run concepts into that picture so that they can do a lot of different things. Okay. Um, and I kind of, before we move back to pin and pull real quick, um, do you guys track explosive plays at all? We do. Um, we track our own explosive plays and then what what run concepts and what passing concepts going into that week have teams struggle with. Okay. And what do you guys define as explosive for run and pass? Um, in our own terms, I would say seven to eight yards. Um, it can vary on the year. Some I've, some years we've said seven, some years we said eight in the run okay. game. Um, when I'm watching another team going against so. You know, say we're playing Millersville this week. Like, I want to, I want to really focus on all the five yard runs. Like, what's getting teams five yards? So, in that term, I'll, I'll put that as a five yard carry, and then see if there's any correlation, any consistency. You know, maybe it's a concept, maybe it's a formation. You know, maybe it's a, a certain player on their defense who struggles with something. Uh, whatever it is, see if there's anything that stands out. Okay. But that's one of the first things we start on Sunday. That, that, that might be the first time I've heard some – I mean, I obviously, I talk, part of why I ask the question is I hear people talk all the time about tracking explosive plays, and I'm always figuring out, okay, what is your definition of explosive? What Everybody's got a different definition of it. But you're, I think, the first one I've heard to say that you track what other explosive plays somebody has done against them in terms of either looking at the formation or looking at the specific play. I think that's a very interesting – and actually I, I wrote down as a great idea of something to keep an eye on as you're going throughout the season. Yeah, it makes life a lot easier if you can if you can find something, it's like, okay, we gotta make sure we run inside zone to the three technique this week because it looks like this keeps coming up. Or, you know, maybe it's a 
Um, <clears throat> even if you're looking at the passing game, maybe it's a, a corner who struggles with vertical routes or something. It's just have a big picture mindset to it. And you can kind of build from there, you know, like I know we played, um, we played someone and I guess it was Shepard in 2019. Like those guys were just knocking down inside zone left and right um, against the three previous opponents. Like it just wasn't going anywhere. So when we looked at the negative play cut up on the, you know, zero and one yards, like inside zone, inside zone, inside zone. I was like, guess what? We're not running <laughs> a ton of inside zone. So um, to us, it's about being able to be like adjustable each week, you know, figure out what the defense doesn't want to see. You know, again, you never know what it is. You know, it's all how you, how you see it that week. Yeah, no, I, I think that's great little tidbit I just wrote down. Um, I, I do want to swing back to Penn and Pole real quick. Um, what what are the, your guys' compliment plays off Penn and Pole that you seem to compliment it well in terms of either run game or pass game? I think for us it's the variety in which we run Penn and Pole. Um, like I said, we don't run a bunch of RPOs off it uh, at the moment. We do – we got to some play-action shots off of it um, for some of our playoff games. But we we want to run it, and I know a lot of people say, okay, well you got the running back away from the tight ends. There's your pin and pull, you know, uh, formation, and it allows the defense to kind of mess with it. So we'll run pin and pull to the quarterback. We'll run pin and pull to the same side. We will do it with a you know motion to the quarterback to the running back. We dress it up, I think, as good as you know as anyone, you know. Um, to protect it, you know, so we also run pin and pull to the open end, uh, with pinning a, an a gap tackle and wrapping the center. Um, so I think in that sense, we, we do a lot of it, but that's probably our best compliment is just the complexity of which we do it. All right. So, um, what I want to do is show some of the, the tougher looks. I think that teams, you know, try to do to us. So, Here's our basic pin-pull uh, concept. we got 11 personnel, two receivers to the field, one receiver to the boundary. Uh, again, based on the rules, we got tight end man on, guards man on. First puller, center will be the second puller. You have to scoop the backside. Um, so to me, again, the biggest point is that we have to get put the D-tackle blocked. Um, you'll see here is that Westchester is going to bring this, this real linebacker off the edge. Um, and it's a good job by our, our left tackle of seeing it. Um, I don't know if this was necessarily their answer to us or not, um, but we called them with a good one. Again, back to my point of being fine with them blitzing us to this look. Uh, guard will be on the D tackle. Again, doesn't need to be a kill shot, just gets in his way. And uh, you see 52 ends up fighting off the block but can't make the play. Um, here would be another clip of it. We're just going to use a little bit of motion to dress this thing up. Let me move these out of the way here. And all of this is to do with a lot of the times is just to, to slow these guys up. You know, slow up number six, slow up the safety. You see the corners running with the motion. that They're losing their alley defender. Here's a good look at their defensive end slanting away from the blitz. All right, and... The biggest rule for our guys is don't pass up color, right? Let's get this thing started. So pretty good job 
uh, by our center and our right tackle just getting started. All right, nice job by their nice job by their kid chasing that thing down on the defensive line and catching it from the backside. So um, again, pressure away from it, pressure to it. Um, here we're in our double tight set. All right, and this is again a little bit of a of a different front. They want to play with overhang players. Uh, we're going to run this in, into the boundary. We have the ability to run it either way, just counting the numbers. So we want to run it into the boundary. This look, our tight end actually just gives a, a down call, all right, saying that he doesn't have anybody on him, so he's going to go block this linebacker. All right, everyone else's rules are going to be the same. How much uh, pistol versus shotgun do you, in comparison do you run these out of? Um. I would say we're probably 80% shotgun, okay. 10% or 20% pistol. Um, again, it can de- if we think we have a big advantage running it out of the pistol, then we'll do it. Um, so, again, everyone else's rules are going to be the same here. Uh, but to me, this is the biggest block, is that backside guard getting that guy sealed off pretty quickly. Look at from this angle, a little crooked. So, all these things back here are stuff that we always drill. You know, you can use the one coaching point I do have to our guys, um, and I'll start probably doing this even more is that you want to get the backside guys reached by the front side. If you can do that, you have a good good chance. So, what that allows for our guys to realize is they can probably take six to seven steps. Um, The biggest issues I see a lot of people have is that they try to only take three steps and then they get beat back across their face. So I think there's some shots of some different uh, techniques that we actually use here. Here's another 12 personnel run. Again, we can choose it to whatever side we want to go to. Um, Here we're going to run back into the boundary and we have the running back more or less just take a little shuffle step and then get behind the second. Is that is that is that kind of a preference for you guys? Is it be able to go out at twelve because you can run it in either direction? Doesn't give anything away. Um. Again, I think it's just what the look gives us. Okay. You know, so if if I think oh, versus a lot of four two teams, twelve personnel can give you that ability. Um. But you have to have two tight ends who can block the edge. Um. And uh, it is a good – I think people struggle to fit it, you know, out of this personnel. So um, this one here, our, our left guard is technically long because uh, he's going to take – he slows down to take 10. He has the alley player. You'll see from this angle. He should be going to 13. 10 was a heck of a player, and we really told our guys, if you're the first puller, you know, you want to have an eye inside for 10 and then let the center make you right. So he just overruns it a little bit, honestly. Um, 44 was also a heck of a player, too. They had some good linebackers at their name. Um, this is a, uh, a different variation where we have, again, running back to the same side. A lot of people will tell you this is an inside zone kind of surface over here. We're going to block these guys inside, and then we're going to pull for the two widest guys. Okay. Um, this is good for if you have a linebacker, you're worried about beating you to the spot. You can always do this. This also can be a way to ensure that you either have a C gap or D gap defensive end um, if you're worried about doing that. Um, I think 
again, on the back side of things, when you do same side pin pull, uh, the linebackers don't exactly know how to react to it. All right, you see us just, we're able to kind of gain a ton of leverage pretty quickly there. Here's a pretty good example of not stopping your feet. All right, our center, uh, who's a really talented player, just, just go and get him, right? And if the running back probably makes a right there rather than the left, you know, he might have scored anyway. But good run by the running back nonetheless. So a little different variation to it there. Here's the same thing. Again, we can protect these with bubbles. So, you know, we're, we got um, four over three out here, so we should have a pretty good running lane over to the boundary. All right, and again, good job by our guys. You know, the, the defensive end makes a heck of a play, beats the uh, tight end up the field, but let's not pass off color here. Our center makes them right. The left guard does a kick out, and we just outrun the first, that first linebacker, all right? But you'll see, a lot of times these guys are looking in the backfield, these linebackers. So when you put this guy over here, he's going to mirror this flow, number 10. Um when he's coming across, he stops his feet. He allows himself to get blocked. Now, how much do you work with, like, smart splits on it? As far as, like, widening or, or shortening Yeah, widening and shorting, like, say, your, like, tackle or your tight end for better angle on their block or to adjust some things. Not a ton. We're, okay. we're pretty consistent with about two-foot splits. Okay. Um, if you're trying to, what I would say is this, if you're trying to tighten your split to block a three technique because you might be worried about this, yeah, then you should probably just tell the guard to stay on. Okay. Um, here's another look at it. All right, I'll give you from the wide because it's better. Um, this is our tight end. Now this is our tackle. So... Again, we, we were just trying to give them a different look. This is the first play of the game. This was a heavy man team, so we figured, you know, if we just – he used to be an offensive lineman, so we didn't worry about him scooping the backside. Um, and we might have them defending him man-to-man when he's not even eligible. So our left guard is actually wrong. Our center makes him right. Um, but you can see that they're actually outnumbered into the boundary here. And again, not a lot of not a lot of shots when guys are just you know making guys you know hit the ground. It's just getting a piece of them, staying, keeping your feet running, and uh, staying engaged, and uh, you can have some good success there. But against man-to-man teams are pretty good. I think. Um, here it is against a, a nine technique on the high end or a D gap defensive end. And, again, this is going to be to the quarterback. Um, but we're going to fake outside zone, speed sweep away with the running back. And the idea is when you watch this half of the line of scrimmage, all of these guys are going left. We're running. Or they're going to their left. We're running to their right. Yeah. So some defenses will tell you, hey, put a nine out there. They can't run outside of it. It, ver- it basically becomes a variation of power to us at that point. We'll run right inside of it. Yeah, so just read, yeah, read your kick out, essentially, is what it is. Exactly. This is a technique that we do use. Um, this is taught. Again, to keep the idea that we want to reach these guys by the front side of the gap, 
I allow for guys to overrun the play. All right. And then what they can do if they're athletic enough, they can just pivot back. So that's a fun drill. Guys really like it. Our right guard while doing it. He did it a couple times in the year. Our left guard, <clears throat> not as much, but <laughs> it was our right guard was athletic as as I've ever had. But here again, you look at the pre-snap alignment of where Pete is, he's aligned in the front side A gap. He's gonna get reached by the backside tackle, uh, really in the backside A gap. Right? You see how quickly he gained leverage on that. And that's all this play is for me. Uh, it's all about leverage. Um, we're going to motion. We're back to 12 personnel. All right. Uh, we do have a not tight end into the boundary, right? Two receivers removed. We're going to motion the running back out here. And all of this is that if the quarterback likes the bubble, he can throw it out there. If, <clears throat> if he likes to run, he can run. All right. So you'll see here again to me, just manipulating the backside guys on this play, right? The backside safety, the backside linebacker, they're both going to the right of the defense, and we're running to the left of the defense. And the block, when you watch it from the wide, if you watch the left guard here, great job of falling back on his block, getting peace. Our left tackle's running. Quarterback does the rest. So, again, just manipulating the defense a little bit. And it makes it hard. It makes it hard for them to be right. And I think it's a pretty easy concept. I mean, it's all the second forward. Well, the, the main reason I'd been looking at it is because, uh, like, my buddy was asking about it because he's got a new head coach and he moved to O-line. So, he's kind of – it's one of the schemes they're looking at. And I was like, yeah, I can reach out to some guys, talk to some guys. Like I said, I have no problem doing that. Like, so he was on the last one. I mean, he couldn't be on today because I think he's got lacrosse because he also coaches lacrosse. So yeah, okay. I think he has lacrosse practice or a game. I don't know. I couldn't. He, he said it and my eyes glazed over. So here's, here's a pretty good shot. At. This is one of our playoff games against uh, Tiffin. And if you look to the, to the boundary here, like there's three pullers. There's three guys for the pullers. Yeah. Right? Like, here's going to be your first puller. Here's going to be your second puller. We can't really account for this linebacker. So what we need to do is to bring him to the backside combination. All right, so you'll see is that we're just going to give a token play fake. We get him to move his feet. Yep. Watch it from this way. He's going to follow the backfield action. Now we have him leveraged. All right, and there's our hole to run. So if you can't, all you have to do, in my opinion, is count the numbers, right? How many second and third level players are over here. If the answer is two, then you're fine. If the answer is three, and it's a still a surface that you want to run to, then you probably need to do something to get these guys to go this way. Okay. Now, again, if you're doing that motion or you're doing whatever deception you want and you can't, like this guy's not moving, then your answer is to run it here. Yeah. So, again, just kind of having some answers. But you see this these are the stuff that we try to work on as much as possible. All right, because the rest of this, a lot of this is natural. Like, I don't overcoach it. Um, if you think you can get a guy slant across your face, I'll tell these guys to step with their outside foot first to catch it. But if you think he's going to be a penetrator or a B-gap player, then just drop, step, and run. And you want to get your hat to his outside shoulder pad. 
Now, do you have a preference on the type of pull they use? I know some coaches say whatever's more comfortable with their kids, they teach multiple. Others, it kind of depends on the position. Is there a preference for you on this? Yeah, I mean, I would tell them to skip pull. Okay. So, and the main reason why, say, again, if this guy were to run through, this would be the whole rule of not passing up color. Like, yeah. the center needs to be able to see a run through. So, I would tell them to skip pull. Okay. Um, if he can't skip pull, but he can open pull and run and still pivot back on that guy, then I don't, I don't care. Open him pull. So this is going to complement that play we I just showed you. Now we're going to bring the running back across, and we're just going to read the defense about it. All right? And these, again, with the numbers out here, there's three over three, you feel pretty good that if this is a handoff, this could be a big play. All right, and they're just going to block for the perimeter run. So some people will tell you, you know, the, as from a defensive coach standpoint, it's, hey, follow the pullers. That's where they're going to – that's where the ball is going to be. Well, here, again, that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. All right, our pullers are going right. That ball is going left. So, again, a way to cause confusion for the defense Here we're running this out of uh, 12 personnel. If you go pre-snap, right, the same look that we had against Assumption with the running back and the, the tight end and wing to the same side. Now we just motion the running back out. That takes away the bench defender. All right, and again, we're just going to send these guys down, and they can take the first linebacker inside the box. Here's a look at it from the tight. With him being a D-gap or a defensive end, he can go get the linebacker. He can keep him in. He's going to be down. The first puller has six. The second puller really doesn't have anybody. But that makes him get into an empty check, a tight end wing check, and then we're just running what we're, we're pretty yeah. good at. Here's another look. Again, the same – we're running the same formation. We're going to keep the running back in the backfield. Um, we're going to let the quarterback keep this, but where this one is unique is who we have pulling. Um, this was against Gannon, and these guys all the time were moving these two guys. And, you know, I sat there on, on Monday and Tuesday, and I tried to figure out, like, what's the easiest way to pull? So if you were to watch us against Gannon and we ran our pin pull scheme – Every time the front side tackle pulled and the backside guard pulled, and these two were essentially walling off whoever was going to be the front side player of these two guys. So this one kind of looks like a glorified version of power with the way it works out. We're going to send the tight ends both down, kick out, pulling for the safety, let the misdirection happen, all right, and the tackle can end up on your Mike linebacker who's pretty well protected here. Giving our look at it there. Again, all the center and guard we're trying to do is just stop whoever's going to be the front side player. This is something we like to do, again, just to create a little bit more confusion. Nothing hard for our guys, but we, we're going to read the front or the backside D tackle. So if he's going to haul 
and chase this thing down, the quarterback will just replace it. We'll base the the tackle on the five technique, right? And we'll arc for the uh, will linebacker in this case. Everyone else is just running the same play. All right, so we'll have the guard and center pull. All right, now again, you'll see when you just play fast, you sometimes don't even need to block the guys. They have a hard time fitting there. So our left guard, or right, I'm sorry, our right guard sees this, this guy playing downhill. He goes to take him, not really his guy. Um, but again, when we're playing fast, it's hard for them to fit the scheme, I think. To protect the play again, this is going to be a screen that we have off of this. So we're just going to crack and then we're going to leak the tackle out to lead the way. So we're going to give that same token play fake like we're reading the defensive end. Oh, there you go. So if you have a backside A gap player, we tell them to try to keep them in there. Um, with this look, it's just get a piece and then go. He shouldn't be able to make the play. And if this guy's making the play, then you just want to run regular uh, regular pin pull there. So, again, just creating a little bit more confusion and, and things of that, of that nature for us. <clears throat> now, how, now, I care, I mean, because obviously you recruit um, compared to where we as high school coaches are a little bit more limited on what we get. Yeah. How how much because of how successful you are being with this scheme, how much does that alter you uh, you in terms of recruiting? Like okay, this is now what I'm looking for for my offensive line because we, I mean, you already said you, I mean, you modify your schemes basically each year to year. But how much you, so yeah. you can have some continuity and because you're just getting really good at it, how much does that factor into stuff there? Um, I mean, it kind of just fits who we are, right? Like we we don't have a ton of money to give kids. Uh, especially compared to our competitors. So who are the first guys to always go off the boards? The biggest guys who can just, you can run power and inside zone behind. So who's left? The guys that have to develop, who are normally a little lighter, a little more athletic, a little thinner. And that kind of fits who the what this scheme is. Um, so we don't necessarily recruit to it. There is certain athletic qualities that we look for that I think even guys who are really good at running inside zone and power can run this scheme. Um, we wouldn't probably, if a kid can't run this scheme, we wouldn't recruit them, but you'd be surprised how many kids probably can. Okay. Um, it's, I, guys who play multiple sports, isn't like we're, we're big on that here. Um, yes, please just say that multiple times, coaches, so I, yes. so, so I can just keep relaying that to every high school athlete that will not listen to that statement. Yeah, we're, we're not really, I, I'll be honest, guys who do like private O-line, drills in like the spring don't really fire me up um i'd rather have a guy playing you know basketball in the winter or wrestling in the winter and then throwing shot foot because yeah. you're going to learn how to block pin pull and you're going to learn how to run block and you're going to learn how to pass that doing all three of those things so um i'd rather have a little bit of a ball of clay from the technique so we can figure out which techniques work best for them yeah. rather than a guy who's so in one concept okay um Here's a little one again. <laughs> this We're just reading this guy here. And if he's going to play the run, we're just going to put the running back right up the sideline. So part of what we try to do at Kutztown in the run game, uh, something I tell recruits all the time, 
Like, I want guys to go, defensive players to go on the sideline and have no idea what we're doing. To be frustrated by what they're seeing, to not really understand what their reads are, and to have confusion. So that means our guys have to be smart and being able to adapt weekly. Um, but it allows you to have some fun. Um, here's a look at the shot play. We don't connect on that. That's against Notre Dame. Um, but again, nothing crazy. Uh, I tell the guys basically block who you're responsible for. And the only difference here is rather than blocking down on a free technique, I told the guard to base it. And the center's really looking three technique to Mike linebacker playing downhill. All right. Um, we're doing this against a team that we didn't think was going to blitz. So uh, we would tell the center to have eyes for 44 back here if, uh, if his picture is clean. Yeah. The tackle has to get the safety down. So, again, some teams might cue the center for us. Some teams might cue the tackle or guard for who the reads are. You know, if we can figure that out, too, we might change our goals a little bit. But um, that's a little bit just about what we do. I try to find as many different examples of it. No, I think that's a great coach. Uh, yeah, and, and we have a lot of – we do have a lot of uh, examples of a lot of those – different variations of this. I think that's fantastic. And, and I love how multi-formational and different looks you guys give in terms of just dressing up the whole scheme in terms of here's some motion, here's some false reads, here's some play action, here, here here's just a screed. We're going to fake it, then we're going to run, then we're going to screed it. Like, <coughs> is he that yeah, we, good? I was going to say, we don't want guys just to be able to say, hey, read the center, or, hey, read this, or read that. It's if you want to stare in the backfield, we'll give you something to look at. You know, if and if I've always thought that if you can get those guys to stop their momentum for, you know, a half a second, that gives a huge advantage to our guys. Um, and then the guys at <clears throat> Notre Dame probably did the best job of defending it, whether it was uh, open-ended or uh, tight end side pin pull, and it was honestly because how fast they were. So we should have gave them a little bit more to think about. Well, I mean, what and kind of going back to what we were just saying, just like from what, for me, it, it, you almost make it like a series. Which for my wing, I spent about half my career coaching either double wing or wing T. So that's kind of what like okay, here's this, here's that, like it's stuff to build on, which I think can be applicable very much to high school coaches in general. I mean, obviously a bunch of high schools already run the scheme. I'm not saying they don't, but like right. for the selling, anyway, okay. We'll run this, and then we'll run this, this, and this, and this off of it, and it just builds it and creates itself, which I think is any type of good off. I mean, it's any type of good offensive system when you have stuff that just complements and builds off each other. Yeah, and then figure out what works for you with your rules. You know, it might be some guys want to pull the backside guard. You know, I, I won't if you can't reach the backside three technique or two eye or whatever it is back there. You know, you're playing with a heavy shade and you your guard can't get there, then pull them um, or read them or Maybe you don't have 12 personnel, so you can't run that concept where you have the tight end and and, uh, and wing going down. Well, if you have a receiver that you can motion in, can you do it with him? You know, it's it, you can really just, you know, have the general ideas and then figure out where the pieces fit. Right? Yeah. I think it's the simplest scheme in the world to run and to coach. Um, and I know our guys love doing it, you know, and – if you need to, I would recommend putting an offensive lineman at tight end if you have to, um, just to run the scheme. Okay. You know, and for colleges, that might mean recruiting a, you know, just an 
undersized center, you know, at your wing T school that pulls yep. a bunch. That's that's who our one tight end was. He was a he was an undersized kid that could play in space. We're like, all right, we'll move him to tight end. And you know, our other guy was more of a pass catching guy who was, you know, willing just to get in the way. And I'm not telling you he was a an unbelievable blocker, but he he, he held his own on a lot of those blocks, which is all we ever asked of him. Um, ideally, if you can find two kids that can run, catch, and block, then you're in great shape. But well, those, we all know those, that's not those the go, kids go pretty quickly, Coach. Those kids go no pretty. Doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Well, Coach, I appreciate you coming on. Um, as normal, the tags for the video will be in the in the bio, so you can go look back at and listen to any part of this uh, podcast. And for those of you that watched it, same thing. Um, Coach's contact information in terms of his Twitter to follow will be below. So give him a follow. Um, and reach out to him. Uh, Coach is always open to talking ball. Like I said, he did a bunch of stuff with Coach uh, Guglielmo um, back in the spring with you know, spring, summer-ish, whenever, that, whenever you guys ended up doing that. I couldn't keep track. I think I, I joined in on one of them. My schedule is always so busy. Um, it was one of, those, one of those months when we weren't allowed out. Yeah. And so, so I mean, Coach, like I said, Coach is always open for talking ball. Um, so reach out to him. Uh, give this video a like and a share just in a subscription just so – uh, more people can find it and uh, be able to reach out to and kind of learn some. Uh, Coach, I want to thank you again for coming on. Appreciate it. No problem. And, and if you guys have any questions or anything like that, feel free to to DM me. Or the best way is probably just to send me an email. All right, I'll put your I'll put your email down there in the bio as well, then, Coach. So awesome. I appreciate it. Um, and then again, that was another episode of the uh, Gap Down Backer Podcast.